Welcome to the Cajun Podcast, the world's best least informed Nicolas Cage podcast, where me, your host, Petr Patsilvas, bumbles his way through the career of Nicolas Cage by watching every film from the best, the worst, to the downright insane. However, this week, I take a brief departure from analysing the Nicolas Cage film, where I sat down and had a chat with Walt Hickey, a data journalist who managed to crunch the numbers on Nicolas Cage to find out what made him the phenomenon that he is. So you're in for a real treat with this one because Walter Hickey's a really interesting guy with a lot to say and has actually done the research to prove it. You'll be able to find in the show notes all of the things that are discussed, whether that's the articles or the um, Twitter feed for the Nick Cage plot bot. So enjoy this week's special episode and tune in back next week when I will be talking to Chris Hewitt of the Empire Film Podcast and Empire Magazine all about... Matthew Vaughan's 2010 film, Kick-Ass. Well, I'll start off with saying that you created the Nick Cage plot bot. <laughs> yeah, and like, that's a fun one. Before, before we fully talk about that, I kind of just want to like take a step back to what, what you do as a day job and like kind of where, where you started a bit and like where that kind of led you and like how all the like kind of I've read a lot of your articles and very very interesting stuff and I like the way that you use data to kind of like in an accessible way that kind of like break it down with like fun like fun stuff like uh prime example being the like marvel breakdown of the costs of daredevils like um yeah like yeah like uh expense uh, what would it be medical expenses yeah Exactly. Yeah. So um, I'm Walt Hickey. I'm a data journalist. And so my history has basically been the most interesting stuff to me has always been stuff in culture, has always been stuff in entertainment, has always been stuff, you know, um, movies, TV, that kind of thing. Uh, And data journalism as a kind of a a field is a fairly recent one uh, for a lot of different reasons. Basically, the computational ability got where it needed to be and, and like the software availability got where it needed to be at you know fairly recently where now you see a ton of newsrooms really invest in this awesome kind of you know database stuff um the culture side of this is like a fairly interesting field even though there's not a lot of people playing in it uh you know you've seen stuff like election forecasts and economic stories and things like that but I, i'm most interested by the culture stuff and, and so a lot of what my job has been has been like, how do you tell cool stories about movies, TV, things like that. Like you mentioned, um, the Daredevil one, like I work with Marvel uh, to basically do this series of stories about, you know, cool numbers and and things and what we can find about their shows and comics and all that kind of good stuff. So that one was like, you know, Daredevil's inflicted a lot of pain on people. And I was like, listen, he's he's an attorney. If you're a personal injury attorney, what's the stake that you got in this? Uh, So anyway... The gist of, uh, of like, I was at 538, uh, which is a data journalism website for about five years. Uh, I left to start my own newsletter, uh, which is called NumLock, which is basically just daily stories uh, with very cool numbers in them that uh, I find and kind of send out. And uh, I'm also uh, the senior editor for data at a site called Insider, yeah. uh, which is Business Insider, all those folks. So I'm helping running their election show and all that kind of stuff. So uh yeah you know it's keeping busy got you know a lot of irons in the fire but uh the stuff that brings me the most joy is definitely talking about um extremely you know accomplished mathematics with uh very very silly topics yeah well i've (laughs) I've kind of like brushed the tip of the iceberg with this because i've 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 started compiling the data to kind of find just a complete 
uh, scoring of Nicolas Cage films. So like wherever I can, turn in yeah. that data, whether it be uh, like opinion polls, um, obviously the, the online databases we have of like just general scoring and like yeah. just tipping just just being on that tip of it it's, it's it's i find it really fun and like i can see i can see why you get so excited about numbers and how especially in the way they work in like pop culture like i have um a part of my spreadsheet is very dumb is like i i have uh i have columns based on just trying to again this is at the moment it's just my personal opinion but i have a criteria which i rate nicholas cage films by does he have dumb like does he have bad hair does he have yeah. a crazy voice and um does he freak out and just kind of trying to compile that data to kind of uh i don't know look at it in a like a ma- yeah a mathematic way to find out is there a correlation between his freak outs and these kind of criteria to making the film enjoyable, whether that be, does it correlate with public opinion or critically, sometimes not so much as, I don't know, if someone who has delved into Nick Cage. Yeah, so I think, so you've hit on something that's really interesting. So first of all, I like my connection to Cage is that I've, I really enjoy his work. (laughs) Uh, Moonstruck is one of my very favorite movies of all time. He's like really like, I think, I've always found him extremely compelling as an actor. And in the piece that I wrote about him for 538 that spawned the bot, um, I get into why that is and, and why I think he's such a persuasive thing. We can always get to that yeah. a bit. But to kind of get to what you're getting at here is like, I think that what makes Cage really interesting is that like, and whenever I talk to folks about him, they're always actually like really game to bring data into it. Whereas a lot of the time, that's the part of the, uh, of the cocktail party conversation people want to get away from as quickly as possible like oh stop talking about the data start talking about the movie star that i enjoy quite a bit but with but with cage it's always like people love this data angle and the reason i think it is is that there's so few people working in hollywood and working in the entertainment or even the culture industry in general who have put out a volume of work who have put out a body of work that you can actually call data as in a lot of different data points with very different things going on that you can draw conclusions from by looking in the aggregate if you look at a lot of people's work people either stick to a type people either you know have a great 10-year run and then pop off and then they go away for a little while maybe they come back later you know the, the industry is such that it does not necessarily make long diverse crazy careers all that viable but the thing that's so interesting about Cage is that he's, you know, obviously he's made sacrifices at times when it comes to budget on movies. Obviously he's like taken interesting roles. He's taken roles that maybe a, a multi-time Oscar winner would it like, there's a lot of different things about Cage that make him interesting as a decision maker individually. But as a data journalist, I think one reason that everybody loves talking about Cage in the context of that <laughs> is that there is genuinely 90 data points, <laughs> feature length yeah, films yeah. going back decades that you can use to draw conclusions about them, which I find really, really fun. Just from looking at like the um, Rotten Tomatoes scores and stuff like that, I've put together just very rudimentary uh, bar graphs, just kind of, but just even looking at those, like um, you just see the kind of peaks and troughs and you saying like such a massive like data set to work from. Like I think now the last time I checked, it's yeah, it's, it's a solid hundred films like to, yeah. to, go, to, to go from. So like imagine for someone like you, like 
having that amount of data on anything is is great really like especially yeah it's fun <laughs> i mean typically you're looking at like a, a good solid career can be 20 i'll give you a great example we did uh another uh, another performer who's similar to this is, is meryl streep because meryl streep has i did a story about her all of her oscar nominated performances which at the time was 20 now i believe it's 21 uh which is an yeah, insane yeah. figure that's like genuinely nuts and if you look at her career, you can see a lot of the same stuff. She's come up against a lot of adversity on that kind of regard because it's very, very hard to be a woman in, in the movie industry. Um, and it's always interesting to kind of see how much like actors that have a lot of range. And I would put those two, you know, Cage and Streep in very much the same category in that one. One of whom has, you know, tried to remain on the top shelf. The other has been much more experimental <laughs> in this formats. But um, nevertheless, like, again, I really always admire the people who manage to kind of make it work um one way or another and i think that cage is just so interesting because again you've got like some of like really outstanding some of the best movies i think ever made uh, cage has appeared in and also you know some of the worst movies <laughs> ever produced has has also appeared in that and i just kind of enjoy seeing that because i think that as an actor there are very few like models that he's following in that kind of regard um but it's it's fun I, I really i have a lot of affection for him and i think that he's a very 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 fun person to watch on screen yeah that's like i think that is that is the thing and obviously that's something you can't you can't can't get from from data like is is just this i don't know almost something something otherworldly almost of this just essence that he has as an actor and like what's made me dedicate so much of my life to watching all of his films and running a podcast where I talk about it, like, <laughs> which like to some sounds like crazy, like crazy, but like from doing it, it's just like, I've learned, I've learned, I've learned so much about, about, about the guy. And obviously like just trying to find all these like interesting angles and like allowing me the opportunity to speak to, various different people whether uh, whether it be yourself and just how did you start the bot that's that that that, that yeah, yeah that where did that, where did this idea come from because obviously like everyone has that yeah. weird moment like myself where you slip off and cages in your life <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 full story of this is that i had like i've been doing stories about actors and their kind of careers and like how you would group their films together. Uh, this was just kind of a way for us to, because again, data is not something that naturally lends itself well to culture and entertainment. Um, we found a format that we thought was really engaging where we kind of used, we tried to taxonomy different actors performances and you can kind of see how actors grow and change and you know they they'll they'll have like you know big blockbuster hits and those are meaningfully different films than other movies that they get involved in and we have a lot of fun with that and the thing that i had like we always had like kind of a list of like who are we going to do on this list and because you know it's a kind of a it's a smaller group than you think of people that you can really get a diversity of films out there um there's like you know you there's not a lot of people who managed to dabble in franchises as well as win Oscars and do that kind of stuff. And so on this list was always Cage. And Cage was always compelling to me because Cage has always been a very um, interesting actor to me. I enjoy his vaguely manic energy. I enjoy how much he brings to the different roles. Um, and so the, the Cage 
was kind of the great white whale of a lot of this <laughs> in the sense that we had always like wanted to do him, but we always knew that like, listen, he's made four times as many movies as the most movies that we've ever done for one of these people. And so as a result, it was always kind of like, well, maybe one day we'll get to it. Um, and then I was, I had been at 530 for like four years. I kind of realized that like my time was maybe not gonna last indefinitely there that I might've wanted to branch out and start this newsletter thing. And I kind of realized, well, like, okay, how do I want to spend my last couple months? <laughs> I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm going to cash in my chips and I'm going to do this fucking article. <laughs> and so as a result, I ended up, uh, like, you know, it took me couple weeks to watch 82 films um but nevertheless i was able to do this article um and over the course of watching 82 films you kind of get a sense for like wow he's really like very few performers like he's never like the thing that really got me i'll just <laughs> say it right here is that he had almost never made a sequel no 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 and like yes you have book of secrets and i think that might have been his first sequel ever Maybe Ghost Rider was his first sequel. Either way, no, Book of Secrets, one of those Book two Secrets, things. Yeah, Book of Secrets and then Ghost Rider. But the thing that struck me was like he had made like 50 movies without making one follow-up. And that's insane. Like another act, like there are other actors like um I'd covered Dwayne Johnson, who I think was really, really interesting. I had covered um Vin Diesel, who I think was really, really interesting. Because those each they have like you know, the franchise that they dabble in, they have range of roles, they have a type that you can see that type evolve over time. But Cage was something altogether different where like he never like he wouldn't play strong tough guy in three consecutive movies he'd play a weird th- he'd, he'd yeah. hop around a lot and I think that that in many ways kind of defines his like based on the interviews that I've seen with him and, and all that kind of stuff he really does take pride in that that he got into the game of acting because he enjoys it he gets a lot out of it what people ask him why he makes so many movies and so many trashy movies he's just like listen I'm an actor you would never get mad at a baseball player for playing more baseball like the idea is that I think that he is like he he's in it for the love of the game in a lot of different ways, um, and um, maybe creditors, who knows? But <laughs> at the end of the day, I think that he has a very fun mentality about the roles that he takes because you know he is very much defined by his taste for variety, and so kind of having you know being all these movies in and having watched all these movies and never seeing the same thing twice. I was like, well, wouldn't it be fun to basically remix Nick Cage movies <laughs> to algorithmically generate brand new Nick Cage movies? And so basically, it's it's not like the Earth's most sophisticated bot. It's basically a glorified Mad Libs. Um, and it basically just takes, you know, the DNA of his other movies and then mixes them up. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, not particularly interesting. Sometimes it's gold. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, that's where we're at, yeah. When I stumbled across it, I thought, like, the, 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 this is this is great. Like, I, I love, I, I don't know, I, I love just off-the-wall things. And then especially, like tracing that back be like where did this come from because obviously like yeah the profile <laughs> itself like is just like there's so many like i i i often just type in nick cage into twitter and kind of have a rummage about see see what, see what oh general, my gosh, yeah. the general word is on, on on the web and then when i saw that i was like didn't think anything of it i'd obviously read through through some of the tweets and then found my way back to you and i was like this is great like this that's <laughs> a great concept and it's obviously someone who, yeah, met, like met, like looks at like looks at data and kind of 
presents it in such an interesting way. Um, so was the article, was that your end goal to create this bot or what was the data you were trying to find from the, uh, in the article you wrote? Um, so the data I was trying to find was basically any data journalism question is you try to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's like kind of the crux of it. And a lot of times that's just journalism in general. Data journalism is just a tool. Yeah. It's, a, it's a style. Um, I, it's So the, the kind of question that we came at this was like Nick Cage, to many people, had kind of become something of a joke. Uh, Nick Cage, to many people, had kind of become something of a meme um nick cage to some notoriety had started kind of slumming it a little bit in the roles and nick cage had basically had a career that lasted decades and there was just a lot to process there and we wanted to kind of find you know is there a way that we can look at the broader picture of what he's accomplished and find a through line to kind of get something a, a modicum of understanding about the actor yeah. and what motivates him that we didn't have before and that's kind of the the goal with any of these different stories like to go back to like i'll give you a great example um the vin diesel one that we had done um i was very surprised because again i i enjoy his work but like having done more research on it having looked at the looked at the performance and what he goes into his movies there's actually a very sensible through line through the movies that he's in which is that he number one very very much understands storytelling from the perspective not of like the like not of like the hero's journey yeah. like like the hero's journey is like the thing that has defined movie making since star wars every damn movie tries to stick to the hero's journey um and that's fine and that's just like you know one person goes changed by yep. the world all that kind of stuff you can look it up it's great um that's one kind of storytelling and vin diesel what's so interesting about the movies that he produces is that he doesn't do that and that's what we figured out when we did the story. It was like, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that kind of storytelling. He does a different kind of storytelling. He does Gary Gygax storytelling. All of his movies are Dungeons and Dragons style advancement, where each movie you get more skills, you get more teammates, you get yeah. bigger challenges, you have to meet bigger challenges. Maybe the nature of the quest is different, but basically if you look at the Fast and Furious movies, which he has creative control over, if you look at the Riddick movies that he has creative control over, they are just Dungeons and Dragons style storytelling. There's no hero's journey, there's no change. There's no individual character change over the course of the film. There's you know characters that are played by him that experience that grow and scale to the best of their abilities, and the challenges grow with them, and the and the teams grow with them too. It's great, and so we wanted to do that with Cage in a fun way. And um, what we ended up finding was that you know really the variety that people perceive is not accidental. The variety is deliberate. The variety is what, yeah, yeah. what brings some joy as a performer. And the variety is really, I think what defines it in the best way. Yeah. I've, I, I, I've seen that. Like you could kind of plot, like if you plotted it out again, just to look at it, like it will be even just looking at some of the runs of films he's done, like from uh, leaving Las Vegas, the rock yeah. con air, face off might be I've, I've probably used a really bad example there because that's probably like his most mainstream hollywood like block of his career but then it gets to like uh 1999 and he's in bringing out the dead and then the next year he's in adaptation which is like they couldn't be further apart exactly and it's, yeah and he like looking through his like uh filmography and looking at just like I don't think so like one actor has worked with some of like Hollywood's greatest like directors like he's kind of got like a, a real good 
like checklist of like the the old school, like the kind obviously Francis Ford Coppola, the easy choice, yeah. and then Scorsese. Like he 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 he's got this really vast and interesting career, and like as you said, like it's it's no accident, like and like yeah. I think he's like again like there's I'm sure that there's reasons for it like within the, like he might be like easy to work with or like like I don't know exactly what it is or like very direct yeah. like I think that he he's willing to go big he's clearly game for a lot of stuff that other actors won't be um you'll see like you know movie stars tend to get you know very picky about what happens to them on screen like they can't get punched too much they can't like you know look like crap they need to be, remain sexy yeah. and i don't think that nick cage has those hangups <laughs> anymore and so i think that he's a uh, again like i i enjoy his work a lot i, I he's obviously putting the work that's in a really interesting and, point and, you make about the kind of no punches pulled like back to vin diesel like that is a big part of the fast and furious franchise right i think at one point everyone had that in their contract that nobody could lose a fight which is like, <laughs> yeah. and then when you've got vin diesel squaring up against the rock and then tyree skipson and like there's a really fascinating point you made about the kind of uh, dungeons and dragons storytelling like, I've, yeah. I've always noticed it like not knowing that's where it's from but just the way they kind of suck in the villains from the previous films and the ne- next film they're a part of the gang like yeah uh, no, it's really fun if you rewatch Vin Diesel movies. Like, because first of all, he is a major D and D fan. He's written about this constant. Like, he's done it a lot. He's uh, he's all over the place on that stuff. He's very forward about that. Um, he's been on a half dozen D and D podcasts. He's just like yeah. a guy who likes D and D and has always liked D and D. He's a huge nerd. Is actually my understanding of it, based <laughs> on the, a lot of my reading of. Like, he made the third Fast and Furious movie to get financing for riddick which is his silly D yeah. stuff. either way um a big fan of his uh but yeah you're right i mean like you see people you know wanting to have their perception of themselves appear on screen whether that's negotiated in the contracts about who gets punched by the rock and who doesn't or <laughs> or otherwise but I, again like uh this is a nicholas cage podcast and i hope to remain uh on the topic of nicholas yeah cage, sorry man sorry no no it's good stuff <laughs> but like i think that the thing about nick cage is that like the variety really is compelling because i think that the thing that makes him very exciting is that he takes a lot of risks and the thing that makes him very memeable is that he takes a lot yeah. of risks and i think that, like we'll just be forward about this like the risks sometimes don't work out and they sometimes go quite bad oh yeah and they sometimes bounce back on him. Like, I think that one of my favorite examples was like clearly the bees scene that is fairly common online where he gets attacked by a whole bunch of bees at the end of the Wicker Man. Like, but like, if you watch that in context and by in context, I mean, as like movie 47 yeah. out of 82, um, <laughs> you kind of realize that like, he's not really doing, he's like, I don't think that he's overacting in that scene. I think that everybody else in that scene is yeah. underacting and that it's on the director to identify that that is happening and to bring everybody else's level up to your star versus leaving your star out in the breeze. Yeah, well, I've, always, that, yeah. I've always tried to, like, uh, look at the fact of whether, like, is he is he an untamable beast, really, or is he... <laughs> or, or, or just is he on a different plane to a lot of other people? Cause like looking a lot into his personal life and stuff like that, he's just, he is a fascinating and interesting guy and kind of like will draw inspiration from all different types, whether that might be kind of like 
voodoo or like he's kind of got these like interesting like things and yeah the shamanist yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like um the interesting point you make about like uh the, the the wicker man and this kind of meme thing is like to much to my detriment was was why i started this podcast in the first place was like he is somebody like i could like air quotes poke fun at but like that's that was my initial like idea <laughs> but it's been really interesting and like to look at it in all these different ways and without knowing it almost yeah looking at it in this kind of way of breaking like breaking down and doing doing somewhat what you've done in the way of like the the data and what makes cage cage like before i fell on this idea of like and i've since uh, i very much look at actors in that kind of way and like how interesting are their careers like a prime example for me is always matthew mcconaughey i always look at this kind of like crazy um period where he did all these kind of leaning against his co-star rom-coms and then all of a sudden we've got this like multi like oscar nominated actor and I always think like he's another guy like Cage, and they've they've got this kind of thing about them. It's, it's really hard. Like I wish I wish, being however many films I'm in, I probably should know what that what that what uh-huh. that kind of quality is. But like I think that's what makes Nicolas Cage so interesting. Well, and like, so like I always kind of think about like why do I think that like Nick Cage is interesting. Not only because of the movies that he makes, but also because of the career that he's yeah. had. And I think that like those are different entities and they need to be judged differently. The idea is that like I think that if you look at like an actor's career as an entity, yeah. uh, like you can look at movies as entities, you can look at an actor's career as entities. Like not everybody gets the chance to have an interesting career. Uh, that's just the unfortunate yeah. side effect of how movies work. Like that's just the thing. But like sometimes like how you actively manage and create and kind of you know skate to where the puck is going to be and plan for that kind of stuff is always really interesting to me. Um, You can see it in like the most obviously like um, what's the like commercial sense in a guy like Tom Cruise, where you can see, you know, he's, you know, trying to plant the seeds of his next later career. He realizes that he can't be jumping out of helicopters for a while. So he does a Jack Reacher. So he does a, uh, so he does a, you know, some, some of these movies that you yeah. can kind of age into. A guy like Keanu Reeves nailed it. Like, Keanu locked down the John Wick franchise, which is a perfect franchise that he can do until he's in his, like, 60s. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a world in which, like, how you actively manage and maintain a career in an industry as voracious and destructive as, as, as movies is fascinating to watch. And I think that Cage has kind of done like his solution to the problem of how do I remain relevant is let's keep throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I think that he kind of realizes that there's no way that you can predict what's going to work and what's not going to work that like you can't, you, you sometimes you have to luck into the John wick, which is going to run for 10 movies and, you know, risk yep. making a Jack Reacher, which ran for two and will never get made. Of it. Like there's like, you, the old guy franchises are are tough and you, you like there, there there aren't a lot of them out there but nevertheless like finding a way to make it happen 
that I think is what's interesting about him. And I think that he's kind of just in it for, like I said, like love of the game in a lot of different ways. Whereas like, I don't think that he has a lot of like, he's not working with a lot of like, like he's not selling out, he's not selling at movie theaters on their first opening day in a lot of different ways. People admire him and like him, but like, he's not that tier anymore. And I think that he realizes that the capital that he has to play around with is still very worth something. It's just a matter of kind of figuring out where to apply it. So from like looking at this like data and obviously like spending that time uh, investigating like Nicolas Cage, like what do you think his like legacy will be like in in the future? Do you think he'll be seen as almost like this, I don't know, like uh, Bella Lugosi style, like actor of like the king of his genre? Like, would he be seen as like the king of the like B, like B movies of this generation? Or like, where will he sit in the pantheon of cinema? Cage was in Moonstruck. He's not the king of the beat. Like, listen, like, well, I just, there's a lot. Yeah. Obviously, obviously it's, it's hard. It's hard to like, it's hard, it's hard for obviously for us to know how, how people will be looked upon. Like, be it, be it with be it with music all it takes is like a couple of bad albums to all of a sudden like you can't you can't be seen as the band who wrote that amazing first album if that if that, if that makes sense if that analogy yeah i would say so like if there's a like the back half of cage's career kind of reminds me like if there's a historical analog of a guy like charles bronson yep um where basically he spent the last half of his career just making a bunch of like tough guy movies where like a crime happened and a man needed to punch another man in order to solve that crime. And like, like he has a gun and bullet. And like, he just made that kind of like schlocky shit. And like, that was fine. Like pills got paid. People liked it a lot. And, And so I think that there's a world in which like he can be very much like, you know, he got into it. Uh, he was very, very dynamic and good when he was young. He, never really got tired of it like, like and i think that you know it's not like sports where it's obvious that somebody needs to hang it yeah, up yeah. like it, he's not like it, I, if if there's an it could be like like he doesn't you don't need to retire in acting no, no, no. if you ask a certain age. like and i think that he just kind of viewed it like that like i mean i feel like at the end of the day he might like he could be 70 and like not being cast in movies anymore, but still doing like repertory theater companies. <laughs> like, like, like I just think that oh, he yeah. really genuinely has a good job and he's realized how fortunate he is to have that job. And he's going to keep doing that job. Uh, like, I know, like I don't really want him to stop doing that job. <laughs> I think that like a lot of the stuff that he comes out with isn't that good, but a lot of it, like, you know, occasionally you get like a Mandy yeah. and, and like, like occasionally you get like a good movie out of nowhere that you did not expect to be that good. And I think that him just kind of taking roles and having a good time, it's like, I respect it. You know, you just got to respect the guys who work hard. Yeah, I, I, I want to backtrack. That obviously isn't my yeah, for my real. opinion that I think that he, he is the king of the B-movies. Like, <laughs> like I just, I just, I just wanted to obviously, yeah, it's where he, where, 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 where could we see the future of him sitting, like kind of like once the dust has settled on like, I don't know. In in years to come, obviously, like yeah, we can't. I don't. I, I guess it's an impossible question to ask because it's it's. You know, there. we're gonna see what happens after he comes out with that movie next year, where Nick Cage plays Nick. Yeah, Cage. which is and you know that could get that could, like that could be like like again like he's a guy who comes out with a really terrific movie every now and again. Uh, 
it's he's in, he's interesting because I always wonder like why National Treasure three didn't kind of happen. I think that that was just like some Disney stuff going down. But like at the same time, he's like he so relentlessly avoids being uh you know pegged as one kind of yeah. thing and i respect yeah that. from so, speaking yeah. to a lot of people like national treasure is like a, a massive fan favorite like even me i yeah. love i love that stuff like i like i look at the lineage it is like indiana jones <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then national treasure and like like i recently saw something on twitter someone talking about like the kind of lineage from Indiana Jones to the Uncharted games on the PlayStation. I was yeah. Like, they are National Treasure the game. Like, he's got the same kind of, like, sardonic <laughs> wit that um, that Benjamin Gates has. And he kind of has, like, this weird family dynamic that kind of, yeah, isn't... I don't know. I'm just getting on my high horse about that. Surely. <laughs> um I mean, they're good. They're good movies. I watched one of them very recently. Well, they're, they're, yeah, um, they're one of those. They're one of those movies that you can't like when they're on. That you can just get lost in it for an hour and a half. Oh yeah, leave your brain at the door. Which like <laughs> everything can't be like moonstruck. Like <laughs> no, of course. But I mean, again, like I, I think that he's uh, got the the good fortune of having a long run. Yeah, and I think that more so than many folks who have like, there's a lot of actors who have been in the industry as long as he have and have played it much, much yeah. safer. Well, I- and they've been remunerated for that. But at the end of the day, I think that Nick Cage is going to be able to look back on what he's accomplished and, and kind of see like uh, like actors take roles that are challenging. And sometimes they're not going to hit that challenge. And sometimes they're going to smash it out of the park. Um, but I think that he should be credited for being interesting. And also, I think that there's an argument to be made that like the more that like having Nick Cage in a tiny little budget movie has a chance to elevate a movie that other people might not necessarily yeah. see. And so I think that there's like, uh, I think that he's a genuinely good force in the movie world. And I like, I wish that more performers uh, spent their capital as frivolously as he did. <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, yeah. We'll leave it there. It's been amazing to talk to you. Um, where can people like keep up to date with what you're doing? Like, what's the, what's the things you'd like to plug, man? Yeah, for real. I'm on Twitter yeah. at Walt Hickey. Uh, just follow along anytime. I, you know, I don't tweet constantly, but uh, when I do, I try to make a count. <laughs> uh, and then I have a newsletter. Uh, the newsletter is called Numlock. It's what I left 5:38 to start. Uh, it's a daily morning rundown of of kind of really cool numbers in the news. It's fun, snarky. You know, uh, it, it's I, I try to make it kind of counter-programming, so like there's no like U.S. politics yep. in it, which I kind of think over-dominates news <laughs> a lot of the time. Uh, and there's like minimal virus as far as that goes. But like, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, if you like culture, data, entertainment, kind of how the world and that intersects, go ahead and check it out. You can find that at numlock.news. Uh, that is a you know numlock like the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for your time, man. This has been this has been really informative and. Just fantastic to talk with someone who, who has done the done the done the yeah. research that many I of us fans it. have been have been calling out for. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it brings me a lot of joy, and folks can continue to follow Nick Cage Plotbot, uh, where they will find such great ideas as uh, Cage plays a paramedic who mentors a kid from a broken home <laughs> and fights a demon over a contract of ten thousand souls. In the end, he's stung by bees and burned to death. It's directed by Gore Verbinski. (laughs) That's a free one. You can have it. (laughs) Amazing. We'll leave it on that note there then. 
There we go, guys. There is the talk with Walt Hickey. What an amazingly interesting guy. As I said at the beginning of the episode, and as me and Walt discussed, please look in the show notes at all of the links to the articles and how you can find and keep up to date with what Walt is doing, whether that be his Twitter, the Nick Cage plot bot, or even Numlock News. So tune in next week as me and Chris Hewitt talk about Nicolas Cage all dressed in leather with a veritable questionable moustache. No, I'm not talking about his regular Saturday nights. Of course, I'm talking about the 2010 film Kick-Ass. Tune in then and we'll have a good old time. Until then, I've been Petra Patsilis. I've been caged in. You've been great. Bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged in Coppola Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.